how I sound. <laughs> that was awesome, Jody. Thank you for sharing that with us this morning. I hope you guys were here last week to see the video testimony that was shared um, by Chris and Fran about walking with God through the adoption process. If you were not here, I want to tell you you missed a tremendous blessing and so much so that I don't want you to miss it. And so it is available on video. I don't really know how to access it, but call CJ. He, he said that would be okay. Call CJ. We will get you a copy of that video. Probably, what, 25, 30 minutes? Um, it is absolutely worth your time. I promise you will be encouraged. I promise that you will see a message of God's love all throughout that video. Um, it was an amazing to me, just really encouraging as we watched Chris and Fran share about their story that God demonstrated His love to them through the process, that they demonstrated the love of God to each other through the process, and now that God has blessed them with little David, He will have a story of growing up knowing that He is loved. And God has prepared this family to receive Him and to nurture Him in the love of Christ that they have experienced. And of course, Chris and Fran could have told us five years ago about the love that they have experienced from God, but specifically they were communicating to us the love that they experienced from God through the process. And as they walked for four years, how their faith was strengthened and how they experienced God's love and uh, just direction and guidance and provision. And I know if you were here, you were encouraged. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to, to grab a copy of that and spend some time watching it. I got to speak at a uh, school a couple of weeks ago, and I put uh, on the wall behind me the same thing that is up there right now. And I want to ask you to do the same thing that I asked those students to do, and that is I want you to engage with what is on the screen behind me? Now, I know that it is not really a radical statement to come to church and say that you are loved. I know it's not really a radical statement for you to come to church and as we go through the next slides, not yet, but as we do, it'll say, God loves you. Wow, real radical message for church. But I do know that sometimes we ignore that choose not to believe that, brush over it, take it for granted. I want you for just a minute to engage with these words, you are loved. And I want to ask you the same thing I asked those students. When you see these words, when you hear these words, you are loved or I love you, how does that make you Feel? What does that do for you to hear that you are loved? And I asked the students, and I actually had them engage with me on it a little bit, and some of them said, it makes me feel important. Some of them said, it makes me sp feel special. Some of them said, it makes me feel cared for. And then I asked the question, are there any of you who struggle with this statement? And there were several who, though it makes them feel special, important, cared for, 
struggle to believe, struggle to embrace, struggle to walk in the reality that they are loved. And so I'm going to expect that there are some of you who are here today who feel special or important or cared for when you hear these words, but also maybe some of those of you who feel that way also feel like that's a difficult thing to believe or like it doesn't seem that way all the time. And so regardless of what your feelings are, I want to bring some truth to you today, and that is really, really revolutionary. It's really profound. It's really deep. It can be life-altering, but it seems like Christianity 101. Very, very basic. So basic that sometimes I think we don't hold it out in front of us as much as we should. You see, when I was going to that school, I was thinking about current events. I was thinking about what these kids are walking through. I was thinking about the culture that they live in. And I was thinking about ways using apologetics or current events or various different approaches that I could get them talking and help to steer them toward the love of the Lord. And I was asking them, God, help me to know what they'll engage with, what makes sense, what can I intellectually turn them with. And he said, don't complicate the issue. The most life-changing truth that exists is that I love them. God loves you. And this morning we're going to walk through very quickly several scriptures that illustrate this. And I don't have a lot of different stories to tell. I don't have a lot of funnies. But I just want to bombard us with some of the truth about God's love for us. Now, I do want to say that there is no way for us in the next few minutes to even begin to scratch the surface of God's love for us. And I want to encourage you and even challenge you that this week you should go home and you should Google verses about God's love. Or you should Google Bible study about God's love. Or you should Google how God loves me. And I would encourage you in your own time to read through God's Word about how He loves you. How high and how deep and how wide is the love of God. And how that impacts you and how it changes your life. But until you get a chance to do that, and knowing some of you are ADD, and seeing that some of you are already asleep, I want to go ahead on one slide... And just give you what you need to know for the whole day in case you check out. Okay? And that's this. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love for you is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, and perfect. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less his love is perfect. It's complete. It lacks nothing. So we're dismissed. A few things about God's love. 1 John 4.16 says this. God's love is who He is. God's love, it's who He is. 
God's love is something certainly that He expresses toward us, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. But more importantly than just an expression, it is actually the character of God. And this is distinctly unique to the person of God. I will say that some of us in the room have experienced love, and some of us in the room have expressed Love, but none of us in the room, unless you want to argue with me, are love. But God is love. It's unique to His character, and it's foundational to who He is. 1 John four sixteen. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the first thing about God's love is it's who he is. The second thing about God's love is it's what he does. Because he is love, and he chooses to express his love toward us. Now, he's got a different dilemma than any of us have. None of us are love and have to choose whether we will or will not express who we are. We can choose to express what has been expressed to us, but none of us have to make the decision if we're going to choose to express who we are because none of us are love. But God in and of himself is love. And he could choose, thank God that he doesn't, but he could choose not to express this love to us. He could choose to keep all of himself to himself. But he chooses to demonstrate or express or show his love to us. It's who he is, but it's also what he does. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation... For our sins. You see, God not only is love, but God loves us enough to show us or demonstrate or express to us this love. And recognize that it's not that He is demonstrating or expressing or showing to us a feeling. He's demonstrating or expressing or showing to us Himself. Remarkably different than how we express love to each other. We don't express love by showing ourselves to each other. If we are able to express love, we're simply expressing a feeling. We're simply expressing a commitment. We're expressing something that has already been shown to us. But truly, if it's real love, the only thing we're expressing is God. Because God is love. It's who He is. It's what He does. Look at this. It starts with Him. It starts with Him. 1 John 4.19 We love because He loved us first. Or if you really want it read like it says on the screen, He first loved us. It starts with Him. It's who He is. It's what He does, and it originates with 
the person and the character of God. And so you're like, so what came first, the chicken or the egg? Why does it matter who, who did this first? Because it originates with him. And so the only expression of true love that we know is resident in the person of God, ultimately manifest to us in the person of Christ. It's very important that we recognize that love starts with God because all of the expressions that we have received and shown to someone else apart from receiving from God is an incomplete expression or an imperfect expression or a conditional expression. But in order for us to understand that the love of God is un conditional, that it is perfect, that it is whole, that it lacks nothing, we've got to know that it is who God is. And we also have to know that as we experience His love, that it starts with Him. That its origin is in His character, which we know is eternal, which we know does not have a beginning. So if God expresses His love to us in a way that's unconditional, that's not situational or circumstantial or based on our behavior, it's because it's who He is and it's because it starts with Him, which means ultimately, we'll get to in a minute, there's nothing we can do to mess it up. And that's remarkably important for us if we were to go back to the first slide to be able to embrace that we are loved. Because so often our thought of love or our experience with love is an incomplete or a conditional love that's given to us by a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend or somebody who cares for us or makes us feel special or makes us feel important so long as we behave correctly. But for us to really know and walk in the unconditional love of God, we've got to be reminded that it starts with Him. Now, it would be really cool to say it starts with Him and it ends with Him. But Scripture says it's even better than that. It starts with Him, but actually it never ends. If you were to go to Psalm chapter 136... There are 26 verses in the 136th Psalm. And every single one of those verses says, His love endures forever. Lamentations 3.22 starts with this. And is Tom here? Hey, Tom. I can't read this verse or think of this verse without thinking of Tom, because Tom's not ever going to toot his own horn, but this guy has committed so much Scripture to memory, and he prays this one all the time. And I'm not going to read the whole passage that he prays, but it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. 26 times in Psalm 136, and again here in Lamentations. And if you do the study that I told you to do, just Google about God's love, you'll see in other places in Scripture as well. It not only starts with God, but it never ends. Again, remarkably different than the way that we experience and express love with each other. Now, one reason that I think we struggle to embrace the truth that we are loved is because we consider 
if we feel lovable or if we feel like we deserve to be loved. And most of the time when we think about that, we do so in light of what we know we've already done to blow it. And so I think it's remarkably important to be reminded that your sin doesn't keep God from loving you. Your sin does not keep God from loving you. Now, if you're like me, when you've blown it, which is all day, every day, you sometimes wrestle with embracing that you are loved because you feel like you should be loved, but you've blown it, so therefore you're on the outside of God's love. But the truth is your sin does not keep Him from loving you. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says it this way, God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Other translations say, in the midst of, or while you were in the act of sinning, Christ died for you. He didn't die for you so that you could be cleaned up and therefore be loved. He died for you because He already loved you and wanted you to experience regeneration. God's love is not hindered by our sin. In fact, not only can our sin not keep us from God's love, but Romans 8 says nothing can keep us from His love. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And if you were to continue to read that passage, Paul elaborates on what he means by nothing. And it's a pretty cool list about things that we generally don't even think about would be trying to keep us from God's love because some of the stuff that he talks about is invisible and of a spiritual nature. But he says that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. So it's who He is. It's what He does. It starts with Him. It never ends. Our sin can't keep us from His love. In fact, nothing can keep us from His love. Another cool thing about God's love is this. It's not something that's only intended to be an expression so that we can have an experience. But it's actually intended to empower us so that we can live. Now, it'd be really cool to be in some vegetative state on the couch all the time just soaking up the love of God. That wouldn't be that hard to sell. But God's design is not so that we can NFL Sunday afternoon His love. God's design is that His love would empower us to live. His design is that His love would change us in a way that gives us the ability to do what He puts in front of us and calls us and expects of us to do. 1 John 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. The reason that He sent Christ, 
The reason that He gave us this most ultimate expression of His love in sacrificing His only Son was so that we might live. Now, there's two parts of of living. There's two parts of life in Christ. There's the here and now and the forever. There's the abundant life of John 10.10, and there's the eternal life that we're going to look at in John 3.16, but that is mentioned in multiple places. God empowers us to live for Him by expressing our love to Him in being a living sacrifice. He empowers us to live. Now, kind of like it would have been cool to say it's starts with Him and it ends with Him, but that's not really accurate. It starts with Him and it never ends. I thought it would be kind of cool to say His love empowers us to live and His love prepares us to die. And if you want to look at it in a worldly sense, you can look at it that way, but a more accurate biblical perspective is that His love prepares us for eternity. Because those of us who are in Christ, in fact, don't experience death, at least not eternally. Those of us who face the end of this life, and certainly our bodies die, and certainly they quit working, and certainly we either burn them or put them in the ground, your preference. Burning's cheaper. Um, You know, ultimately, what happens to us after this little stint on earth is over is that we don't die at all. Our spirit man continues to live forever. And not only does God's love empower us to live while we wait on that transition, but God's love prepares us for all of eternity. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 is what that says, but that's because I forgot to edit that from another slide. John 3.16, you should recognize... For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. So it's not even accurate to say His love prepares for us to die, prepares us to die. His love prepares us for eternity because we will not die. Now, check this out. Nobody's going to die. Not just those in God's love, but those outside of it are not going to die either. In fact, everybody is within the scope of God's love. Because remember, He loved us while we were still sinning. He didn't love us because we converted and then He said, oh yeah, prorated back to when you were a sinner. He loved us while we were still sinning. And so God today loves the most egregious sinner. He loves all men. And He loves all people even to the point of judgment. Not just once they get saved. Oh yeah, I used to love you too. So His love continues, but there are those of us whose experience of God's love is going to have us prepared for eternity. So there will be those who are in Christ and we're going to live forever. But a very frightening thing is there will be those who are outside of Christ and they're going to live forever as well. But those who are in Christ, we are prepared 
for eternity. That we would not die, but that we would have everlasting life. That we would be in the presence of our Savior and not separated from Him. Now, I'm not going to get into this because of time, but if you go this week and you study 1 John chapter 4, it talks about this impending judgment. And it talks about basically that we all fear it. And we're afraid because we know that judgment is coming. But it also says that God's love or perfect love drives out all fear. Because basically we're prepared for that time of judgment because God has taken care of the thing that we should fear. And that's being separated from Him because He has prepared those of us who are in Christ for this transition or for this judgment or for all eternity. So God's love, it's who He is. It's what He does. It starts with Him. It never ends. Your sin can't keep Him from loving you. In fact, nothing can separate you from the love of God. His love empowers us to live. His love prepares us for eternity. So what? So what should we do in response to God's love? How do we respond to these truths? Not how do we embrace the feeling of seeing on a screen that somebody loves us. But outside of our feelings, which are very subjective, by the way, there is an objective, absolute truth that God loves you. And how we respond to that is the reflection of the experience we have had of His love. How we have experienced His love toward us should compel us to do something in response to Him. What is that? Well, Alicia already referred to it, and I think she's out, but she did an awesome job sharing what's going on and how God's using that in her life. But our response is that we are to love God and we are to love people. Not because, hey, here's a great chance to throw Gateway's mission statement in front of us twice in a Sunday. No, our mission statement is what it is because it's straight out of Scripture. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 say this. And if you'll remember, this is Jesus being asked, what is the greatest commandment? Hey, there's a whole bunch of these 600 plus that I've got to keep. But look, I'm a simple dude. If I just got to keep one, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and and all your strength. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So our response to God's remarkable love is that we should love them back. And oh yeah, while he's got us here lingering with everybody, we might as well love each other too. But because of time and because it's a lot easier to hear about God's love than it is to think about the way we love him back, I'll close with this quote from C.S. Lewis. On the whole... God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for Him. It's pretty cool to think about how much He loves us. It's pretty scary to think about how we return the favor. Which leads us to grace. Which leads us to mercy. Those expressions of His love, that He doesn't give us what we deserve. And in fact, He gives us so much more that we don't. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we are just at a loss because we don't have any clue 
how to respond to your love. And, and when we try, we recognize that our response is so off target. So, Lord, we're just overwhelmed with the truth that you love us. And we're keenly aware that you shouldn't if it was based on who we are and how we live. And so we're reminded that you are love. And we thank you that it's who you are. And we thank you that you have chosen not to keep it to yourself, but that you have expressed it to us in so many phenomenal ways, but primarily in sending Jesus so that we can stand before you covered by his blood, intimate because of the intimacy that you have with your son. Lord, I pray for everyone who is here this morning as we've heard these words that this week we would not leave this behind, but that we would just be overwhelmed by the simple, profound, life-altering truth that you love us. Lord, if we've got any business this morning that we need to do with you before we leave, we ask your Spirit to lead us to do that. And that we wouldn't go away from this place ignoring what you're calling us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.